Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. My name is Anna Anselma and I am your host. And today I have a guest speaker on the podcast and her name is Samantha Salver. She is part of the Social Mind Center team. She is a licensed um, clinical social worker. And in our last session, we had a conversation about reframing parental expectations and learning about your child's needs in my previous episode, we've, episodes, we've been talking about understanding our child's needs and giving them the words to discuss their needs and self-advocate. So today we're going to you know, bring in a, a little bit of both of those episodes and get back to reframing parental expectations and so that we can learn more about our kids' needs. And then our expectations can be tied more to their needs and to their abilities and what they can actually accomplish. Because when as parents, we have goals that our child does not have the skills for or that dismiss their needs, we tend to get into then a negative cycle of failure because the child's not able to meet the expectations that have been placed on them. So we want to set up our children for success. And if we're going to set up our children for success, we need to understand their needs and we need to understand that they have the skills to meet these needs. Another factor we have to place in reframing our expectations as parents is knowing if we have the skills to be able to teach our children what they need to know or to address their needs. So reframing expectations is not really canceling out expectations. It's just examining, do we have everything we need to get accomplished what we think we wanna get accomplished, the goals that we have? So in reframing expectations, we wanted to get started because a, a, a huge need of our parents and a huge need that a lot of Sam's clients have and that she works with is executive function and executive function coaching and training. So, so many of our parents always come up to us and say, we want our child to have uh, better executive function skills, better organizational skills. So what is executive function? Executive function is organized thinking and living. It's that you have the organizational skills and the thinking skills to get goals accomplished. So without these skills, without organized thinking and organized living, we can't really get to that self-management where your child is so organized and they can you know, get all their tasks accomplished and they can manage their life independently. So that's, that's how we define executive function. And there are a lot of skills tied to executive function. So a lot of parents come to us all the time and say, I want my child to have better executive function skills. Well, just know that under that umbrella, there's a lot of skills. So that's why today we're talking about reframing our expectations and kind of breaking down executive function skills because there's a lot of skills involved with that. So, you know, the, the first question we, we want to start with is um, what are your child's needs, right? And what do they need to build better executive function skills? 
right? Do they have all the tools that they need to get these executive function skills started or organized thinking, right? Um, and then I, I want to start with a little story and then I'll jump into Sam. She, she has a lot to share with us, but a lot of our calls lately have been on emotional regulation and that's an executive function skill. The ability for you to manage your emotions, remain calm so that you can get things accomplished. If your child is having frequent meltdowns, you kind of have to shelve a lot of the other goals that you might have had, like getting a lot of homework done or, you know, uh, spending all day doing certain tasks because their emotions are not in a place where they can get that accomplished. So part of reframing expectations also is prioritizing. Is your child having a lot of meltdowns during this COVID season? Are you having a lot of meltdowns during this COVID season when we're, we're just dealing with so many things that are not our regular tasks at hand? So I think we, you know, we're going to get into um, learning a little bit about executive function, but more about reframing our, our expectations and then also learning about our child's needs. So Sam, so Coming into that and you're having a conversation with a parent and they're saying, I want my child, I want you, Sam, to help me with my child's executive functions. They just, you know, that's a common question that we get, right? Where do you go to first? Do you go to examining the parent's expectations on where they're at with executive function? Yeah, so when a parent comes to us in need of what they refer to as executive functioning help or coaching, the first thing that we always ask is, what does your child look like, right? What does it look like? You say that they're disorganized. What does disorganized look like to you or to your child? You say that they can't complete their homework unless you're sitting next to them the whole time. Okay, so what does it look like when they are independent? What subjects are they independent in? So first it starts with looking at your child and looking at their needs. But once you find out what your child's needs are, that's when your self-reflection has to come into place. Am I able to teach those skills to my kid or has the apple not fallen far from the tree? And I also don't have those skills as a parent to teach my child who also has the same needs as I do. And that's very common a lot of parents with the same needs as their children and their parents aren't equipped to help their children evolve into more independent until their parents take that next step in their growth and realizing their limitations. Yes. And sometimes like I know for my kids, organized thinking and living is my strength. It's, it's definitely my strength area and it's you know, my profession prior to the Social Mind Center was a lot on organizing other people. However, with my kids, I had to learn a lot about uh, the skills that they didn't have, why they didn't have them, because they were different than me. And so what did that mean? What, you know, they don't have the skills I have. So now what does that mean? And even, even though I have great organizational skills and that's my strength, that doesn't mean that's how my kids learn or that even when they do learn certain skills, they're going to end up with the same strengths that I have. 
it's going to look totally different, right? And it does look different with both of my kids. I think that they have gained great skills, but it still doesn't look like my level of skill, right? And I think it goes both ways, right? With strengths and weaknesses. And that's a perfect example of reframing your expectations. Your children, especially if they're in the neurodiverse community, they most likely aren't going to learn like you do or have the same strengths and skills that you do. So how are you going to step out of what you already know about yourself and your own upbringing and what are you going to change so that your parenting style fits your child? Your parenting style doesn't need to fit your own learning style, but your child's learning style. And I like what you said in the beginning. It really starts with those foundational skills. When a parent comes to us with a kid in kindergarten or first or second grade, and they're saying, you know, their room is a mess. I'm always stepping on their stuff. Um, they can't, can't sit down at dinner for us for more than five minutes. They can't do their homework independently. Go back. Do they have that emotional regulation to do yeah. anything for more than a couple minutes? Because if not, if they don't have that emotional regulation, then that's the priority right now because they won't learn any of those skills that are above the foundation of emotional regulation, such as you know, starting a task independently, completing tasks independently, asking for help, which is the self-advocacy piece that we've been uh, talking about in group and on our podcast. The child needs to have those foundational skills of executive functioning before you get the results that you're looking for, like a clean room or independent homework or doing chores on their own. Now that you mentioned foundational skills, it just brings to mind that when I'm talking to a lot of parents in the last couple of weeks, I, I hear them not understanding the impact sometimes I think they understand but I think we're all in a little bit of survival mode because COVID has affected all of us so differently but I think that they're not even including that in the the factors of how COVID and the new normal has impacted their child emotionally mentally physically because as adults we have to remember that we may have better coping skills than our kids or our work or our life gives us options that they don't have they're having to go to school so many of them are having to go to school online which is like a major shift from their reality a few months ago so i think that we always i always tell the parents okay let's adjust reframe the expectations to covid because we're in COVID reality. So we're not in where we were last year. So we have to also take into consideration reframing based on COVID. So whatever our goals are, we might kind of want to splice them up a little bit more for COVID because we are all experiencing constant change every day. You know, policies are changing, school environments are changing daily, teachers are changing daily. <laughs> I have clients that tell me every day, every multiple times a week, they have a different teacher for their child. So we also have to always give a lot of weight to all the change that our kids are dealing with, especially now in COVID. I think that's important to like adjust and edit based on COVID. Like there has to be a lot of editing based on COVID and adjusting our perspective on our kids' needs because 
our kids may have more needs that we don't even know about because they're not telling us about it. So I think that's another factor to consider now when we're talking reframing and teaching our kids organizational skills. And I also think COVID has brought to light how important organized thinking and living and self-management is because our kids are home. Right. So it's brought to light all these things for you and all your clients that they never had to even consider before. Yeah, I think COVID has opened the eyes for our parents to their child's needs that have been maybe being met or maybe not being met at school previously. And it also has, it has, without even our acknowledgement, has prioritized, made us reprioritize our needs and reframing our expectations of what school brings to the table. Oh, definitely. And so while we manage our expectations of the outside world and the things that we can't control, we need to be reframing our expectations for our children. Last year, your priority might have been, you know, be in more extracurricular activities, improve your social skills that way. If that's not tangible anymore, how can you reframe their needs in something that's compatible with COVID? Those needs haven't gone away, but what it looks like to meet those needs look different. And I want to talk a little bit about an, what about a child who has maybe some more emotional regulation, maybe a middle school kid, but um, is still not completing those executive functioning and the social thinking and the organized thinking that they need what are their needs? In middle school, a lot of our kids have a, a lot of trouble with inferencing or reading the social room. And that is highly impactful on their emotional needs, their social emotional learning, um, and also can cause some mental health, stress, anxiety. And so to meet those needs of your child, which might be different from what the school is telling you. Your school is telling you, you need to do these five things for homework to get a good grade, but your child's need is to learn inferencing. Let that inferencing be the priority in your life and in your child's life for a certain amount of time until they've maybe mastered or just grown that skill a little bit before they need to get a hundred in every class. Yeah, that's that a good sense. point too, because yeah, well, recently in middle school with our middle school groups at the center, you were discussing how you wanted to, because we've been talking about self-advocacy and knowing your needs. In order to be a good self-advocate, you need to know your needs and you need to know what you need, how to get it, and then how to make it happen. Because you can, you can get help like you can get help from a teacher or from, you know, a therapist, but then you might not know how to go home and implement what they told you, right? So there's multiple steps to it, but you were talking about helping our middle schoolers learn about um, puberty and how their body changes. Mm. So parents should know that a child's body changes tremendously, you know, during puberty and there's, you know, 
changes in their mind, their body, their hormones, their emotions. So those are some things that need to be taken into consideration before you even get into, because I, we know we have a lot of middle school parents and it, it almost seems like our middle school parents, they don't ever see it coming, how emotional and how challenging middle school can be because their bodies are changing, their minds are changing. And the world is kind of changing around them. It's kind of weird because they're they're going from having one teacher to seven to eight teachers. They might be going from a small school to a gigantic school. And then they might have been even looking forward to middle school and there is no middle school because they're at home learning. And now all these seven teachers are on a computer. So I think that one of the things, if you have a middle school or a high school or a teenager period, you should know that their bodies are changing. So if their bodies are changing, everything's going to change because they're not always in control of those changes. They're physiological changes, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that that's an important point that you bring up that sometimes it's the school's requirements, but the school's requirements for your child in sixth, seventh or high school are not your child's emotional, social, physical needs. Those are different. And those need to be met in order for them to succeed and meeting the school's, you know, expectations for them. And and I think last time you brought that up and that's probably a good thing because that's what we were talking about, reframing the school's expectations for your child, because you're finding yourself in a lot of conversations like that with parents in schools. And I know that I am too, and saying, well, that's what you expect of the student. However... And it's amazing to me that a lot of the schools have not even considered COVID and they're just moving along with expectations and not considering the home life of the child or how things have changed or even have they lost somebody due to COVID. So I I would say that reframing expectations based on our reality and, and knowing how that's impacting our child and their needs based on our current COVID is probably like our top priority. I agree. And if I could give one strategy or skill to parents to work on this based on emotional regulation, whether it's for a child who is having tantrums and having fits because they can't communicate or regulate, or if it's a middle school child shutting down or having attitude um, or trying to escape from the situation, that all has to do with the emotional regulation. So what I'm telling parents to do is validate their feelings. Let them know that their feelings are real and that feeling will pass and give them the tools to regulate themselves through that time so they can get out on the other side a more aware and regulated individual who can then start learning new skills who can then start learning more independence and executive functioning but until they have that emotional control they won't be able to learn those other skills that all parents want for their kids to learn and sometimes that toolbox and a toolbox that we we know we share this at the center all the time the main tool in that toolbox is you got to take a break you know you can't be doing homework for six seven hours after you've been online for eight hours or four and that hours. includes therapy 
You exactly. can't go from school exactly. to therapy to tutors to, you know, mom and dad writing you home for on doing homework for a couple hours and then it's try to have something to eat before you go to bed. Right. That's and not healthy. that takes us to like, cause we, I think we touched upon it is prioritizing, prioritizing your child's needs and mm -hmm. prioritizing the goals because mm -hmm. sometimes the goals don't match to the needs. And sometimes, and as we've all seen with COVID, it's changed priorities for <laughs> so many of us and out of our control. So I think we need to prioritize what is the most important thing. And since we've been talking about emotional regulation, if your emotions are not level, and you're not calm, nothing else is going to go down. Nothing else is going to happen. So if the environment that your child's in is causing them an enormous amount of stress and is causing them to melt down a lot or just be totally disorganized mentally and physically, right, then, then the environment has to change and the expectations have to change so the child can calm down. And then we take a few steps back and then we take a few steps forward, right? So, but, so that was one big thing you wanted to talk about, you know, priorities, but you also wanted to talk about learning styles because you're asking parents to observe your, their child. And now during COVID, it's a great time because so many of our parents are home working, their kids are working at home and they're, they're getting the opportunity to observe, observe their kids more. So, how would you advise them to explore learning more about how does their child learn and what can they do with that information? I'm so glad you brought that up again. So when you observe your child, you can observe what they're good at and observe what they're not good at. Are those skills that were taught to them intentionally or those skills that they needed to pick up either through observation or through experience or self-implementation or a want and need that they that the parent might have had in their life, but the child doesn't have that same want and need, like driving a car. You see a lot of kids not wanting to drive, but their parents are like, you're 16. When I was 16, I wanted to drive. Um, so figure out how is your child learning best and if you don't understand this, ask a professional, ask your teach, ask their teachers, you know, are they learning better when it's a tangible activity or when they're writing on the board or reading? Um, that could be a good hint. And once you learn their learning styles, then that's how you have to teach them all the skills that we learn at home. School is going to teach us some very basic skills, but the skills we need for life are mostly learned at home and through the social interactions we have um, everywhere we go, including school. But when we're home and we have a kid who has ADHD with a very big emphasis on hyperactivity and they need to be moving around a lot, meet their needs by giving them things to learn that include movement. If you have a 10 year old who doesn't do any chores, teach them how to bring the laundry from room to room. Maybe he doesn't have to sit down and fold it and put it away because his attention span might not be there, but to walk from room to room, that'll give him movement. To take the trash out from the garage to the curb, that will give him movement. Incorporate their needs in the things you prioritize in them learning. And once they can have success doing small tasks like that, that's when you start to increase it. So instead of bringing laundry from room to room, now they've put the stuff in the dryer and then bring it to room to room. 
or they set they start separating it themselves you know who where um do they go in my room do they go in mom's room do they go in my yeah. siblings room and then you can increase but don't increase expectations until they've mastered that foundational skill yes 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 that's that's definitely and, and wouldn't you say too this is a strategy that i give clients all the time for skills like writing right because writing is an important skill and you can use the child's preferred topics Okay. okay. If they're like a history buff, like we have a client who's a big history buff and we use history a lot as a tool, the topic to expand on skills that he will not be interested in, like his writing, because he's writing about a topic that he loves. So we can, we can make that kind of compromise, you know, and in, insert into the regular everyday curriculum in school okay he needs to improve his writing skills well let's use a story let's use a book that he loves and he's passionate about or she's passionate about so then it makes it more pleasant for them because i don't know where we what happened with learning but learning was supposed to be fun <laughs> and somehow it's turned to be a torturous thing so kind of taking that into consideration sometimes that our kids do have passions and can we use their passions to teach them something or to motivate them to learn a skill that they need to learn that they normally would, it, it would be a drag to do. Like that's what I used my kids to teach them how to host a party. They wanted to have friends over. So I said, okay, well, you'll be the host. And they were really motivated. And we used things that were related to hosting. Like, you know, what will your friends eat? What, what will you do when they get here? You know, what's your plan? Do you have a schedule? Do you have activities? You know, uh, are they going to bring something? And then they got, now my kids independently host stuff at the house and they just ask for my help if they want me to cook something or they'll cook something. Like, like the other day, my son had an event to go to and he texted me and he figured it out all himself. And he said, mom, I'm supposed to bring something, but rather than buy something, I wanna make something, but I'm scared of the kitchen, but he's learning how to cook. And, he's, and I said, well, I would like to do the corn casserole. And then he did it with my daughter, Gabby. And together they prepared this dish for him to take. And then he saw her do it. And now he's like, well, that wasn't too hard. Cause it was like mixing ingredients and putting it in the oven. And I think sometimes when you, you can have your kids come alongside you to do stuff like now in the holidays, I have my kids help me set up for, you know, whatever we're going to do. They help me with the setup, with the buying, you know, whatever, like Sam was saying, if there are people that like to move, my daughter likes to move right? She doesn't like to be still. So she gets to do the errands, the buying the groceries, right? And then my son is different. He likes to be home. So, you know, he doesn't mind being here at the house. So he helps me with cleanup, setup, you know, so you, you can just use their strengths sometimes to help them get motivated and started mm -hmm. you know none of us want to work from the place of our weaknesses and we forget that as parents sometimes that they have both and likes and dislikes you just said so many things that i appreciate one is have fun and do it with your kids a lot of things that they're going to learn is through you and if it's not through observation it's going to be through probably tangible learning 
So right. if they're learning to take out the trash, take out the trash with them until you see that they're 100% independent with it. Don't give them the expectation that they can start and complete a task that they've never done before independently. Because then we have parents come back, you know, I told them to do this, I'm trying to meet their need, but they won't take out the trash on the right days, or they bring it to the wrong side of the driveway, or they brought out the recycling when it's supposed to be the trash. Okay, so come up with a different way of teaching, write it down, make a calendar, make a schedule, put reminders on their phone. Even if that's not something you needed, it's maybe something your kids that they need that they need to do. Yes. Yeah, and it may require you to do the task with them together, or chime in, or partner, or check in, like till they really get master it. And some skills are harder than other skills to master, mm -hmm. and you need you know to demonstrate, do it together. And I mean, telling our kids what to do is the easy part. And I think that part of parenting is showing our kids what to do and modeling it. And I think it's more effective when we do that, right? So we've covered so much, Sam. So what is, what is something that you think is missing? We talked about reframing our expectations, really observing our kids and their needs and trying to figure out um, what is it that they need to build a skill that they may not have. And we're talking about organized thinking, which is a huge, you know, it covers a huge umbrella of skills, but it is organized thinking and living and self-management. So what would you say, you know, the main takeaway you want parents to walk away with if they're venturing into, I need to get my child to be a better organized thinker and to, you know, go about their daily life being more organized, what would you say to them would be your big takeaway? If you could take away one thing from this episode, I would really like for parents to check in with their children, see where they're at, and set them up for success. Make sure that their emotions are taken into consideration while looking at their needs because without emotional regulation, other skills will be difficult to learn. And so make sure that if someone gets sick, first you go to the doctor, make sure, you know, rule out other things. We need to rule out that your child isn't having too much of emotional regulation issues. Because if that's the problem, that's where you need to start. Start where your kid is. And I'm a full believer that we are capable of everything, but it might not look like or be in the time frame that we have been privy to in our past. So it might take an extra year, two, three. It might take something you learned in one step to be in two, three, four, five different steps. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. That's and that's okay. what I was telling my daughter recently. You know, she struggles writing, writing is very difficult for her. And I said, writing is a process especially if you're writing a research paper or presentation. And ironically, she's fantastic with presentations. Presentations are easy with her for her. So recently she had a class that she had to do a presentation in a huge paper. So she started with the presentation and the presentation helped her to get familiar with the topic. But I also said to her, you know, not everyone's good at writing and writing is one of those things that you have to do it often to get better at it. And 
And so you're just going to have to be patient with yourself because it's going to be a journey to, to become a better writer. If that's something that you think you need for your college career and for your career in general, you're going to have to explore different strategies. And like you just said, something may take a long time. And I think we live in an environment and in a frame of mind that everything has to be right now. And there's a lot of skills that really take decades to develop. And, you know, I see that a lot with our kindergarten parents and preschoolers, that they want the kids to write and to read and to have great reading comprehension. And it's just, you know, every child, you know, like every flower blooms in their own time. So do children. Children mm -hmm. take their time to learn things and to evolve and to become who they're supposed to be. And you really can't rush them through that. And just because we happen to have an educational system now that's just dead set on this race that we don't know where we're all racing to go and get this because <laughs> we all have to go through 12 grades of school and then comes college. So, you know, what? what's the rush? We have to learn to reframe that and go, okay, well, my child's in kindergarten, but they may take them a little longer, first grade, second grade, you know, to, to get some of these skills down pat. And I need to be patient because rushing it, pushing it, and um, involving them in 25 hours of tutoring isn't always gonna get them the skill. Like more doesn't always necessarily get them where they need to because they need a little more room to grow and to get and to learn. And, and some of us take longer to learn certain things than other people. And we need to allow for that, don't you think? Yeah, and I wanna encourage parents that even the small successes should be celebrated. Yes. I know we don't want to over celebrate everything because then nothing becomes special. But when something is difficult for someone, even the smallest encouragement of success will help them get to the next step. Yes. But without the realization of those small successes, it's more scary to try things that are difficult and right. try because things. Self esteem is self esteem and motivation is so involved in success and i think that our kids today are very frequently placed in predicaments that they don't need to be placed in like like maybe your child doesn't need to be in advanced math maybe the regular math is okay you know mm -hmm. and because you're placing them in predicaments that they could be but why are they there do they really need to be there right now and it's a timing issue and maybe it's for later on in their you know, academic career and not right now. So I think timing and prioritizing is important because sometimes that's something that can be examined later on. And that's what we've been telling parents with COVID, right? Like it's in this COVID environment, everyone is probably gonna be dealing with some difficulties, might get behind on some subjects, but I think everyone in general has been dealing with that. So there's no reason for that added pressure of let's, have COVID and let's up the ante now in this stressful time, you know, it's, I think it's a time to scale back and prioritize what are the most important skills and cause we cannot tackle all the skills. So, right. you know, I, I, I think we would both agree that reframing goes alongside prioritizing and editing your expectations. Like, you know, if, if parents could work on editing 
expectations daily. And I know that I have been with my kids because they're dealing with so many things. And I try to take it a day at a time. And even whatever I had planned for that day gets edited. And it's okay because it's just an edit it. You're not, you're not erasing it. You're just editing, putting it on another place. But I think we've covered a lot of stuff, Sam. So I think we can tell our clients that they can totally go to our blog, which will have additional resources on this. We're going to start this series of executive function skills alongside self-advocacy because they're so tied together, right? For kids to self-advocate, they have to have organized thinking and organized living. So we're, we're talking about their needs and we're talking about how they can communicate their needs, which is so important for children to say, I don't know how to do that. I don't think I can do that. And I don't think I understand what my teacher's talking about. And that's what self-advocacy is and teaching them, well, how do you get more information? So we're going to have these two topics running on the podcast simultaneously, but we also have additional information for you guys to look at on our blog and on the podcast as well. You always get the script of what we're talking about and we break down, you know, our recommendations and strategies so that you can have them written as well as audible. But I want to thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for thank you. talking to me and um, sharing your brain and all the conversations you have with our clients because both Sam and I have different conversations with our parents because she's the professional that actually implements the interventions. And I'm more of the cheerleader for parents. <laughs> as a parent myself, it's like, I just sit there and go, okay, yeah, this is a total nightmare, COVID. And we're all going through it like I'm like when we first started our episode Sam and I were talking about how I'm going back to college now with my daughter and she's going to John Jay College and I'm learning about forensic psychology so I never (laughs) thought I would ever learn that and a lot of it has to do with because they're not in a classroom and I'll close with this um you don't have the same kind of access Sam to the professors Mm. um and so they're missing so much information. And my daughters had to learn like, oh shit, I'm gonna email my professor. I gotta call my professor, I gotta do this. So COVID has really kind of changed the game of not being in a classroom. You could just walk up to your teacher and ask them a question. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. And if when they're online, there's a hundred people online with you. So you have to find a way. So there's all these other skills we've had to learn with COVID that we didn't have to learn before. So we definitely have to have a different frame of mind and learn to prioritize because things are being changed outside of our control. We, we're not in control of COVID. So we're gonna have to learn to be a little flex, you know, uh, like we say at the center. But I wanna thank you so much for, for joining me. And I want our listeners to continue to follow us so they can learn whether they're more interested on self-advocacy or executive function. We'll definitely be having a series of episodes on that, but we will be closing the year and hopefully Sam will join me. I wanna talk with her about um, this year of COVID, how that's changed our center and how it's changed our, our profession and how it's changed it for her as a therapist and how it's changed it for me as a parent and you know, as a professional working at the center. And that way maybe you, you guys can all reflect on maybe some positives that we've all taken away 
from COVID. I know one of my positives is I got to start this podcast. That was all due to COVID. It gave me more time at home sequestered to do so. So I look forward um, to that episode and that's the episode that we'll close the year with and then we'll take, we'll pick up in January again with our self-advocacy and executive function. So thank you so much for your time and check in with our website, www.socialmindcenter.com.